Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Jordan is on best. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler, joined by my co-host, Tom Lewis. I'm back after a brief hiatus. I was gone at a virtual conference. For like, it was like a 60-hour work week. It was nuts. So I did not have any time to uh, get any podcasts out, but I was watching, and that's what we're here to talk about today. We have the playoffs starting today, Tom. Uh, first of all, how are you doing? Secondly, how excited are you for some playoff basketball? Not even Pacers basketball today, just playoffs in general. Oh yeah, we got we got to uh, make up for lost time here. So glad to glad to talk about playoffs starting uh, a lot. About we're recording on um, you know Monday afternoon here, so playoffs starting in about a half hour. Uh, cannot wait. I've been you know finding some legal Indiana wagers here and there to spice <laughs> things up today, which is always fun. Um, and definitely looking forward to the action. It's hard to bet against favorites right now. <laughs> When you look at things, but you know there's going to be something wild happening uh, down there in the bubble, and and you know, looking forward to the Pacers tomorrow. Obviously, looks like everything's coming together. They'll be ready to give the Heat the best they have. Yeah, I agree. I'm really excited. Um, just to to look at it firsthand, you know, the first question I want to I, I want to bring up, uh, what you know, obviously we've watched all the bubble games, and I just kind of want to bring up what can we what are you taking away from the bubble? So I have my own thoughts on it, but um, obviously I think every team was playing a little bit differently uh, in how they were, you know, ramping up or getting ready for the playoffs. And I just wonder what we maybe take away as, as how teams were playing going into, into the playoffs. Yeah. You know, one thing I thought about on Saturday with that playing game, which was really fun uh, with the Grizzlies and Blazers, uh, especially the way that game started out, um, you know, it, throughout the bubble, you know, in general, you know, more than majority of games was offense, 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 and things tightened up <laughs> uh, early in that game. And um, you could see there was, you know, a little more defensive urgency. And I'm, ex- you know, naturally that happens in playoff games. You say, oh yeah, playoffs, things slowed down, um, and and I would expect that to happen, um, even with some of the teams, you know. Houston, obviously, they're still going to be running and gunning. Um, but in, in general, I would expect there to be, a, you know, lower scoring compared to what we have when the scoring was just out of sight there for a while. Um, and, you know, a lot of that time probably was spent, you know, being a little more vanilla on the defensive end possibly, especially when you're playing teams for the most part that are likely – to be, uh, you know, playoff opponents down the down the road if things go well for you. 
So you're probably not showing everything. Obviously, there was some rest in there as well. So now everything's like tightening up, and, and you're playing now to stay in the bubble. You don't want to get sent home. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's funny. Luckily, I don't think it's going to impact any of the either of the teams playing tomorrow in Miami and in, in Indiana. But looking at a team like the Blazers, it just kind of like the way I look at it, it's almost like, I mean, the Lakers have largely been resting. Not to say that the game against the Lakers didn't right. count for the Pacers, but I mean, it's pretty clear they haven't they, they, they weren't kicked into gear and trying to go full throttle. Um, and the Trailblazers have been doing that for you know three straight weeks now. And so you wonder, do they come in and they're just in a really good groove? Or you also wonder, are they just going to be extremely fatigued? Like, it, it just brings up yeah. a lot of interesting questions that we haven't really had to think of, at least not in the, in the terms that we have before. So it'll be really interesting to, to watch and, and look at going forward. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, that's, um, you know, if there's a team that you're looking to kick it into those extra gears, uh, you know, Lakers obviously have some Ferrari gears with, with AD and, and LeBron that they can, try and get into and a lot of times in a series like that when I know the Pacers have been in some of those series where they're coming off a long series and it seems like the other teams have been resting and that first game if it's up for grabs and the Blazers can get it then you know we're going to have a series but um, there's also the potential for the Lakers to just fire on all cylinders and, and set a tone for the series in that game one so that's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah I totally agree. I'm just – I think my my biggest takeaway in general is I'm just excited for there to be playoff basketball because, you know, when we talked earlier in the year, I was not expecting there to be any kind of playoffs. Um, the bubbles just worked out great, and I'm pretty psyched for it, man. It's going to be – it's going to be it's gonna be exciting. Um, so, obviously, you know, when you're looking at the fatigue and everything, right away you have to talk about uh, T.J. Warren uh, has plantar fasciitis, and, you know, as far as I know, he's playing tomorrow, but – uh, you do wonder how it's going to limit him a little bit. Uh, you, you know, obviously he's going to be able to play through it. It's much less severe than what than Domas is. Um, but that'll be something to key in on for sure. And as far as I know, I think he's the only one who has any any real like accrued injury right now going into the series, uh, unless I am, uh, unless you, I need to stand corrected on that. But I think, uh, yeah, that'll be – I mean, TJ's got to be huge in this series. Yeah, I think, you know, like – Obviously, uh, Bradden had the neck. Other guys had little things, but I think that was more of a uh, rest up and manage the minutes there for you know guys like Bradden, Oladipo, Miles Turner, um, and you know maybe even for Miles a little bit as well. I mean, obviously he's. It sounds like he's been dealing with this for a bit, and um, you know he, he can play through it. And with the pace of the playoffs, hopefully he'll uh, be able to manage it, and and hopefully he has a you know, he has a long time to have to deal with it. <laughs> you know, it's like at this point, you, you're just saying, okay, we got to get four W's, do whatever it takes to get those four W's. Um, and then hopefully you can get it resolved in, in the off season, however long that may be. Um, but can't look, look too far down the road. Um, you gotta, gotta let it rip right now, right out of the gates. Yeah, I totally agree. And so I think, you know, especially in talking about TJ needing, needing to play well, that just jettisons me right into, uh, what do we think has to happen for this team to win? Um, I, I don't know what your personal opinion is going in right now. I mean, I think it's in terms of looking at all the first round series, I think it's maybe one of the more even ones, but at the same time, I still, uh, if, if I had to pick somebody today, I think I would take the heat in six or seven games. Well, yeah, the thing that, you know, scares me looking at trying to be unbiased, which I guess is impossible, but, um, <laughs> yeah. just, you know, 
having seen the the earlier games this year and and knowing that um, you know there are times when the Heat seem to be able to get buckets much easier than the Pacers do, and you know the Pacers might do well in a slower grind game, but but not right now without Sabonis. So um, you know they're going to have to adjust you know what they're doing, um, attacking the Heat and making sure they can can keep pace offensively. I know, you know, everyone should go read what Kevin Cooper wrote uh, recently on uh, Indy Coros about, you know, the, the a very, you know, some different opportunities the Pacers have to adjust and, and um, you know, execute to, you know, have a chance against the Heat. And, you know, the, the scary thing for me, the two things that just stick out, just thinking off the top of my head, what, what sticks out, it's like, okay, got to, do better on the boards. Obviously, mm-hmm. got to take care of the ball. If they're not taking care of the ball, they're toast. Um, and then also, how are you going to, you know, what are you going to do with Bam Adebayo? Because he showed, has shown he can guard everybody one through five. And, like, not going, but smothering. So, um, you know, they got to adjust to how they're attacking him and, and the Heat in general. Um, and then also, I feel the other advantage for the Heat right now is that I feel like they're just going to win two games. It's already, you know, Pacers are already down 0-2 because there's going to be a couple of games where they're just hot from three um, with those three-point shooters, and they can get them in bunches, and it's going to be no matter how hard you're playing. What you're doing, you're not going to have an answer for, you know, Duncan Robinson just getting loose and and even going Dragic and guys just Making shots from behind the arc in a game, maybe maybe one game like that's going to be just a, a walkover. Um, but you know, those are the things where I see the Pacers having to um, fight through. You know, being able to live with what you know the the. I'm not even looking for an advantage on the boards. I'm just looking at something manageable. It's not um, where they're getting killed. You know, taking care of the ball. You know, not giving easy turnovers and letting them get out and run and fill the lanes on the three-point lines and getting open threes in transition. Um, and, you know, just managing when they are hot, trying to look through it to uh, fight, fight another day or fight another quarter. You know, they're going to have to obviously play all 48. And and, uh, and hopefully the Pacers' depth will rise up and, and that bench will, will be a little stronger than it was during the season games. And, and they'll be able to, as they did, you know, in that uh, was it that first game where they they took a haymaker in the first quarter, but the bench brought them back, and then eventually they ended up losing. But um, they're going to need everyone on board to to make the Heat play all 48. So that's a lot and a lot of stuff to be nervous about. I know. So um, I'm hoping though that you know they're, they're going to have a game plan that's going to be different than what they've been doing and and see if they can execute it. Yeah, I, I agree. I have a lot of thoughts off that right away. I think um, especially looking at just in terms of things that have to happen for them to, to win this series. Um, I think the, I agree totally on the boards. They've been out-rebounded, I think, by an average of 13 in the three games that mattered against Miami, which is, you know, considering that they're not – well, now they're not playing a bigger brand of basketball. They've been starting Bam at center finally and not starting Myers Leonard or Kelly Olenek. So when especially when you have a size advantage – at least slightly. I know Miles isn't a great rebounder, but he's got to find a way to attack the offensive glass or at least hold his own on the defensive glass. I think that'll be really big. 
Um, I also look at the turnover battle. Miami is, I believe, the second highest team in terms of turnover rate. Uh, so they turn over the ball a lot, and the Pacers are mm-hmm. one of the best at keeping the ball. I think that has to be a staple. You have to not allow any turnovers yourself, and you have to force as many turnovers as possible against this team, which is going to be huge. Just getting whatever you can to even the possession battle because that always kills the Pacers, just letting up a lot of extra possessions off long rebounds or silly turnovers. Like That's that's going to be huge in the series, so I, I totally agree on that. Um, and then I think, you know, especially looking at it, a, I think TJ has to be the not the best player because I think it's – I mean, Jimmy Butler is going to be the best player in the series. Um, but TJ has to be the best scorer in the series and do it efficiently, um, you know, obviously in ter- looking through a playoff lens because the efficiency is going to go down in the playoffs. But he has to continue to flash a lot of what he did in the bubble. And I don't think that it's not going to happen. I think uh, kind of the, the game where he struggled, I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. I think the offense intentionally was like a little bit vanilla. Like they just didn't want to show anything because they knew this series was pretty much like locked up. Um, they still did a lot of questionable stuff, like running a bunch of pick and rolls right at Bam Adebayo didn't make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. But I mean, he TJ was double teamed almost the entire game, at least the first half. Right. Um, so I think I look for him being able to make stuff happen uh, the way that he'd been making things happen in the bubble. Obviously, you know, knowing that it's not going to be at the same level or with these the same volume. Uh, but just be and guys have to be able to feed off of that. And I think that's been huge. I mean, Brogdon, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but when he played with the second unit a little bit towards the end of uh, the bubble and just when, whenever Vic or TJ was operating with the ball in their hands, he was really thriving, getting some of the, the more open threes that he hasn't had all year. And I think that really helped him out a lot. And I look for that. I think if you can have TJ as the primary scorer with Vic and, and Brogdon both operating really well off ball, or at least off of what TJ is doing and, and getting some easier looks off that, I think that'll be huge. Um, because obviously I think Miami has the top end talent and, and Jimmy, and I, I would say Bam's probably the second best player in the series. Uh, but the Pacers definitely have a higher end starting unit. I think the top six is probably better for the Pacers overall, at least looking in terms of you know the average player. But That'll just be huge. It's got to be a lot of scoring balance with TJ getting it done at the top, in my opinion. And last thing, I think Miles has to really – We I harp on this all the time, but Miles has to just gun from three. Like, I think he needs to be shooting five or six threes a game in this series. Anything that can get Bam out of the paint. He's not a traditional rim protector, but he just free safeties in the, in, in the restricted area in the paint like no tomorrow. And the farther that Miles can pull him out from there, the easier the, it's going to be for Malcolm and, and Victor to get driving lane. So I really look at that uh, when going into tomorrow. Yeah, Miles, he, you know, he, his presence has to be felt out there, that's for sure. Um, and I think that, you know, the most fruitful way would be, like you said, getting getting loose behind the arc and, and being aggressive um, with it, not, you know, not looking to pass and, and uh, making them guard him. Um, I also, just real quickly, you mentioned about them doubling uh, TJ, which was true. It's like, you know, well, if they're doubling TJ, we can't expect him to be the main scorer, but there's got to be, you know, they got to be prepared for that. I also, you know, in, initially think, you know, that's kind of like the first round of the playoffs. You know, every every game in the playoffs, you're adjusting game to game. And so, mm-hmm. you know, are the Heat not going to double him now? <laughs> Is my first thought is like, okay, they showed that and they're going to make the Pacers work on that. Now they're going to do something different. Um, but either way, you know, you know, they should be ready to counter 
um, count that double if it's there, and if not, then you know, then it's you know back to back to the uh, normal stuff you're going to run for TJ. So uh, that's that's the beauty of the playoffs is this, you, you got to have those counters ready to go and um, and everybody you know on the same page executing. So um, this is such a unique situation with these you know them playing those games last week and and you know that the fact that they're down in the bubble and everybody's watching all these games, everybody's fully aware of, of what, what, uh, the other side has. So it's just going to be, uh, going to get grimy at times. And, and that's a uh, part of the fun of the playoffs. I totally agree. So, um, I think, uh, we kind of hit it on a little bit, but, uh, you, what do you see as kind of the advantages that this team has going in? Well, I, again, we talked about the, the, the depth and, the fact that um, they have a few guys, you know, TJ won one of them and um, who's dying to be in the playoffs, regardless of if there's fans or not. Um, so I think the fact that, you know, they're used to playing uh, in games where, you know, every night they're expecting to win. Um, and, you know, I, I think some of these teams and, and the Heat's actually pretty good about this as well, is, that, you know, they're always going into the game plan to win. And if their guys are playing, um, on the court, uh, they're always going to play hard. So I think that's a little bit of a, a wash as far as being, um, you know, guys who are going to show up ready to go at a playoff intensity. But the the depth I think is is going to be the big thing for the Pacers. And and there's some, you know they have I would say um, some wild cards lingering there on the bench, particularly with Edmund Summer. Um, he he was showing. Um, that you know he he deserves some minutes, and that gives you know we talk about counters, you know that may be an in-game counter. Okay, let's get Ed in there and let him run and and use his speed and and length and create some mismatches with you know with that second unit. So I think that something the Pacers may have an advantage in is having a few more options to turn to if things aren't going uh, perfectly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that's actually really funny. That was one of the things I was going to bring up with Ed. Um, he obviously, he's been a wild card his entire time with the Pacers. And it was funny, I was looking at him today. He's played less than 100 career games, and I think uh, this is his third year already. Um, and But, yeah, obviously, again, it was just kind of a throwaway game. But when he was on Duncan Robinson, I mean, he played him, uh, you know, getting around screens and just trying to – yeah, the eye and 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 force him to not get easy shots. I mean, he did the best that anybody's done for the team the entire year. And again, you have to take it with a grain of salt. It's a small sample size, but um, he he's really been the only one on this team who can bother Duncan Robinson because Duncan Robinson has completely gone off uh, in the three games against the Pacers that did matter. Uh, yeah. he took ten plus threes in all three games. Hit above forty percent, uh, and he, he just has so much ability to do that. And so I think. I, I'm I'm not going to say that we should start Edmund Sumner day one, but I I mean I think that's honestly possible that we could see him start some of the games in the series. I wouldn't I wouldn't be against it. I know the floor spacing wouldn't be great if that happened, but I I think that he would bring a lot to the table that could be interesting. Um, and you also look at Aaron might fare better off the bench just because I think um, with Drogic moving into the starting lineup, I know none moved out. So they have a, a, a bit of a bigger starting lineup now. Um, 
But I think for me, yeah, especially looking at Duncan Robinson, my like, I, I think if you can shut down Duncan Robinson, or at least I, I think he's a good enough player, you can't shut him down. But if you can force Jay Crowder to shoot, I think that's huge for me. I know somebody uh, on the last podcast we did talking about Miami and the keys to the the last regular season matchup we had that mattered. Um, somebody got a little pissed off at me and said that I prodded the bear um, because. <laughs> Jay Crowder hit like three threes in that game or something. Oh, I know. I and he know. shot well. He shot he, almost he 40. He hit threes against the Pacers. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, sh- he shot almost 45% from three in 20 games with the Heat. But then you just look at it, and especially like uh, outside Boston, uh, he's, he shot like 32% from three. And in the playoffs, he has not shot well at all. So I think for me, yeah, outside of even with Boston, outside of one year, he shot – uh, just about 30% on high volume. And so I look at that as if you can force him into more contested shots or forcing him to be the guy who gets the ball at the end of a possession, that's a huge win. Um, and, yeah, the last advantage, just you, you can't foul Jimmy Butler. I think that's the biggest thing. If you can force Jimmy Butler to shoot, that's huge too. He doesn't like to, and he's gotten incredible at drawing fouls. Uh, but yeah. if he's getting to the line, that's going to be a huge problem. And I think – uh, obviously, this team can't afford to have guys getting into foul trouble. Like, especially TJ can't get into foul trouble, and because that's happened, I believe two of the three games that they played, and Miles cannot get into foul trouble either. Because uh, obviously, there's nobody. I mean, Goga's shown a little bit, but I'm not comfortable having Miles yeah. out of the game. <laughs> yeah, that uh, it seems like if the Pacers can get through the first two minutes without one of those two guys hitting two fouls, it's like <laughs> a win. <laughs> I mean, because um, it, it just Changes the tone of, of things and how, how it's going and how they have to manage the rest of the game. But um, yeah, it, it's funny. I, I know when Crowder was hitting those threes in that game, I was like, "Oh my god, are you kidding me?" And it, you know, it becomes a hat tip situation. It's like, okay, I, you know, I'll, I'll live with that long term, <laughs> but it's, it's not working in the short term. Um, but I mean, I, I agree. It's like if, if you get to a spot where where he's a guy and and he's stuck shooting threes. Um, take up chances over a seven-game series. That's for sure. Um, yeah, and if he does it for four of them, then God bless him. And and mm-hmm. you know that that's you know that's where their depth kind of is. You know, you can see it's not as deep as the Pacers because they they could rely on him to do that. Um, and if he does it, so be it. But I just I don't see it happening for multiple games. But I guess we're prodding the bear again here. But one, <laughs> yeah. one thing quick on, on Ed Sumner, too. Um, you mentioned, um, you know, obviously guarding Duncan Robinson would be nice and also making Robinson guard him as well. It, it, you know, I feel like every time he's been on the floor, talking about feeling Miles Turner's presence, you feel Sumner's presence because he's got so much burst and, and that length. And you, it, I, I would imagine, you know, early in the um, series that they would start him, you know, but again, like I mentioned earlier, every series is, is based on adjustments and it may be that, you know, and it's all matchup based and it may mm-hmm. be obviously that, you know, the matchup calls for, for, uh, Sumner to start maybe in the next round doesn't, but in this one it does. And, and that may, you know, another tweak, uh, as the series goes on. But, um, at this point, it's just like, okay, is he going to get any minutes? Um, you know, because generally he hasn't been um, in the top of the rotation there. So um, are they going to go more offense or are they going to need to go more defense? Um, this is why we're, we're going to be tuning in 
Um, but it's nice to have that um, option that you feel confident in. Hey, it's, it's Ed time. Let's get him in there. See what happens. Turn the game around. Um, so, uh, again, that's, that's the depth that the pitchers are going to have to rely on. Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out and uh, the rotations and lineups that, that Coach McMillan draws up. I'm really excited to see how that goes. Um, and I think in terms of, you know, just kind of uh, two things to, to cap off with. Number one, I think Victor, this is going to be obviously a huge series for him and coming back and rehabbing and getting more meaningful reps. But number two, I mean, I think if he has just one or two really good offensive performances like I think if he has one or two of those throwback games that's huge like if he has a game like he had against the Lakers when he put up 22 7 and 5 on really good efficiency like I think that's doable in a, in a seven game series because you look at this team and outside Jimmy they really I mean Jay Crowder is a really good defender obviously Bam's a good defender but they don't have any guards who I'm super worried about like locking up Victor or Malcolm. And I think that the driving lanes, right. if Miles can draw out Bam, the driving lanes will be there. So I think there's a big chance that Malcolm and, and Victor could, could really uh, perform well in this series. Because one thing that's, uh, you yeah. know, in, in talking about the Heat, and they do have good depth, but they have interesting depth in that they don't really have a lot of guys who can, like they have guys who are either good at offense or good at defense. Not a lot of guys who are good at both. So they have to really mix and match what they do on the defensive end. And I think that's one of the things that the Pacers could really exploit. Yeah, that's the beauty of TJ Warren drawing so much attention now um, is that, you know, we're whatever, 20-so minutes into this and we're just talking about Victor Oladipo right now. <laughs> yeah. and, and you're right. It's like, you know, doesn't have to be the primetime guy of the whole series, um, but he can definitely have spots where he can take over a game. And if, and if he can do that, uh, and push, you know, a couple wins and pitches away, and then I could see that happening. You know, it's another guy you talk about. He played a lot. He he really played a lot in that last game or the uh, second to last game um, with uh, one out. You know, just kind of going at it um, offensively and, and getting more reps, which is good. But you know, there's, I th- you know, there, there's. Might be a little bit more in the tank for him as well that he hasn't shown. We talked about all the teams in general kind of not showing everything defensively and all that. Um, you know, now that we're in the playoffs in the prime time, uh, he may have a little more juice, and that's something that would would be nice when um, you know he's going to be playing out the ball. You know, if there's focusing, especially if there's double teaming going on with one, um, you know, he's going to have his opportunities to rise up, and we know he likes the spotlight. He does and now like the spotlight, the spotlight will really be on. It will yep. be on. So it's it, it's showtime. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, I love that little little advantage, you know, um, with that mindset that he has, and and um, hopefully physically, um, he can he can keep it together uh, to go with that, you know, with that middle uh, capacity that he has. That you know, this is my time. Yeah, exactly. And just the, you know, he, in the five games, if you exclude the Houston game, which a lot of the guys were sitting, I think Malcolm and TJ were both sitting in that game. Um, And I mean, Victor put up in five games. So, you know, Philly through the first Miami game, put up 16 points, about six boards and two assists and shoot shot really well from the field, 46% from the field, just about 43 and a half percent from three. And he got to the line almost four times a game. Uh, Obviously, those aren't quite the numbers that we're used to from him, 
Well, the fact that he's doing so efficiently in the smaller role has been big. And I think there's room for him to step up. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. So one last thing before uh, we, we pop into our, our break, before we get to the rest of the podcast, I do want to say last advantage for the Pacers. It seems small, but I love it. The team got home court advantage. And I know that it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I know I'm not going mean, to, it seems like I'm grasping at straws, but I tweeted this out yesterday. I saw from a data analyst that I follow, um, Home court advantage has largely held up in the bubble. I don't have the exact info in front of me, but like about a week ago when I first saw it, home court advantage was like one or 2% higher than usual. So home teams were winning like 59% of the games, uh, which again, that's, that's, that's not anything huge. It's not a huge sample size. It's just from the bubble games, but maybe it does have an impact somehow. And maybe there's some kind of (laughs) mental impact to it. Who knows? But I love the fact that the team actually got the four seed, um, and it, it it could it could be it could prove instrumental somehow. Who knows? You never know. Obviously, again, grasping at straws. But I'll I'll take anything, and it's a fun stat that I pulled out of nowhere. Uh, so we'll be back at you in just just a minute. We're we're gonna take a quick break. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament tonight. We'll break down. We break down who will be cutting cut. What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to the Indy Cornrows podcast. Tom, so, so coming back, uh, A, I, I think my home court advantage stat was great. I was a big fan of that one. Hey. Um, I'm pretty excited I love about it. that going in. Yeah, I mean, anything that we can to, to boost our, our our feelings about the first round. Real quick, this is the other thing I love is, and I know it's petty, but they cast the four seed of the Heat. Let's go. I mean, come on. We finished ahead of them. It's all, all pretty much bragging rights. I agree with it, but they did, you know, put the plaque on the mantle. <laughs> um, finishing top four. That's a hell of a year for this team, considering all that's gone on. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So, um, you know, if you don't have a championship at the end of the year, you got to appreciate things along the way. And I think I think earning that four seed is worth appreciating. And I'm not having any problem being a little petty about getting ahead of the Heat either. <laughs> I love it. No, I agree. It's funny. I uh, you know, going into the season. I was like expected, I, you know, it's not like I didn't think the team wasn't going to be a playoff team, but I was expecting like a, a six or a seven seed. And, you know, more in, I didn't know that the East was going to have the top level competition that would. Like I knew, um, I knew that the Bucks would be good. And I, I assumed that Philly or Toronto would be good. And that's been more Toronto than Philly. Uh, but largely, I mean, the top six teams in the East have been really competitive and held up with the West. 
And so yeah. for the Pacers to, to have the season they've had has been remarkable. And I know people are going to – I got a lot of uh, not fun replies on that article I wrote about Nick, Nick <laughs> Nolan deserving the extension, but I'm going to stay on that. This could have been a total wash of a year. I remember how defeated I was. The fight, I think the team lost the first four games. It was the first time that it happened since I'd been born and, and, and the Pacers have <laughs> been around. Um, so, I mean, they just totally righted the ship and they played in, incredible basketball. Uh, with and without Victor. And I think it actually, if you remove those first four games, which were like a feeling out process with all the new guys and you remove uh, that six game skid when Victor came back and they were trying to reintegrate him, the team played it like close to like a 55 win pace. Uh, and even if you include those games, they played it, they were, they were on track to win like close to 52 or 53 games this year. I mean, they had a hell of a year. And so even even if this series ends up – I think it's going to be a really competitive series, but even if they end up losing the series somehow, this has been a good year. So I know some people might call that a defeatist yep. mentality, but I think it's just looking at it realistically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, realism is no fun. But, but um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it usually ends up <laughs> uh, being the deciding factor in a lot of this stuff because, um, you know, it, you, you can't change change certain circumstances um no matter how well you're playing or how um above your you know collective um skill level everybody thinks you're playing you know i mean i know even going into the bubble everyone assumed they would fall behind philly and and even you look at the odds right now there there's a big drop off from um you know from the top you know miami boston and uh, toronto and Milwaukee in the east down to the Pacers' chances of getting out. So, um, you know, they, they don't look at any of that stuff, obviously. Um, and that's, you know, that's a Nate McMillan team. They just worry on, worry about the game that they are playing next and then let things fall where they may. And um, it works pretty well for them. Most definitely. Um so, you know, heading into the series, though, what are what are some things that you're, A, I guess you could say hoping to see or uh, or wanting to see from the team? Well, I, first thing I want to see is a win in game one. <laughs> um, that would be nice. It, it seems like <clears throat> for some reason this team is always always plays better as uh, uh, when the backs are against the wall, when they're the underdog, when they're not expected to win. Um, I'd love to see them jump out in front. I mean, home for advantage isn't home for advantage, but, um, you know, if they're going to win uh, game one, they're not favored to win. No one's expecting them to win. Um, the Heat are favored, expecting to jump back into where they were at, at regular season level. Um, but just getting out a win any way possible and, and the other thing that has shown up in those Miami games, Miami has, for the large part, been the tougher team. They've gotten um, been the aggressor. They've they've um, shut the Pacers down essentially when they've gotten rolling. Uh, and the Pacers have to be the team that expects to win out there. I felt like um, in those bigger games with Miami this year that Miami expected to pull those games out and win. Um, and they executed better. And a lot of that's Jimmy Butler when he's when he's going. I mean, he's a he can be a force of nature out there. Um, and you know, really, I'm I'm kind of thinking guys like Brodman and Oladipo, they have that in them to rise up and and you know carry the team. Maybe not all 48, but at times and and 
Um, whereas the Heat, I think, are going to rely on Butler to set that tone. I think the Pacers have different guys that can step up. Um, and if they all do it at the same time, I think they're going to really be tough to handle and, and just want to see that playing, playing of raising their game to another level. I mean, really talk about the Pacers. Um, you know, one thing that happens that they play so hard and so well every game during the regular season, but then they don't have that other gear in the playoffs. Um, but I feel like they have some guys with the talent to, to hit another gear, maybe at least a half gear, um, with their depth. But, you know, I want to see a difference with this team in the playoffs than I have in the regular season. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think I agree with you. I think that they have the guys to do that. This isn't a team led by a you know a 31 year old Wesley Matthews and and Boyan Bogdanovich. You know, not to berate those guys, mm-hmm. but they were they were good players for us last year. Actually, Wesley was not that good for us that last year. I'm not not trying to kid, kid myself, but uh, I mean, there's a lot more to to look at with this season. I mean, with this series, and I think one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to is just getting to see TJ play in the playoffs. I think he's the kind of guy. He's not going to talk about it, but he's excited as hell to come out. And I'm, I know he said that he is, but he's not going to go super in-depth about it. He, I mean, you you know from talking to him, he's not. Uh, he's, he's a pretty humble guy. He's not there to talk that much. I mean, even when uh, Jeremiah Johnson was able to get him on post-game interviews, he was uh, – after scoring 53, I mean, he had like about 30 words to say. And it just speaks a lot about who he is. He's going to go out and show it out on the court. And I expect him to do that in this series against – against the Heat. I mean, he acknowledged that he wasn't good against Jimmy Butler. Um, and I, so I think he's out here to prove, prove himself and, and continue to solidify in the season he's had. Um, I don't think that he's going to – maybe for stretches he'll guard T, – not TJ. He'll guard uh, Jimmy Butler. But at the same time, um, he didn't really get – he didn't get any of that matchup on Monday. He did a little bit, but he was mostly on Jay Crowder. Um, I kind of yeah. think that'll hold up because you don't want him, especially with the plantar fasciitis. Now you don't want him to, uh, um, to to wear himself out playing both sides. And I know there's a, a you know a conception that um, if you don't you know guard the best player while taking the most shots, you're not the best player on the court. And you know I, I think there's a there's some under, some level to that that's fair. But at the same time when you you're doing so much on the offensive end and a lot of what TJ does is predicated off movement, you have to conserve yourself at least a little bit. So I think it'll be interesting to see what the team tries to do to the guard Jimmy Butler. I'm sure Nate McMillan will have some interesting things drawn up for that. Uh, that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. I'm looking forward to, like we mentioned earlier, Victor kind of rising up and having a game or two continuing to just play really good defense. I think one of the things that's been most impressive for me, I mean, he was playing pretty good defense before the bubble, but now, I mean, his off-ball defense has been tremendous. Uh, the stuff that he does to rotate over as the low man often and pick and roll and just to deter things from getting to the rim, and he's, he's been incredible as an off-ball defender for the team. He still is kind of rusty uh, on ball, which, you know, that makes sense given his injury. Um, and then I guess kind of the last thing I'm really looking forward to is Aaron. I really think – I mean, Aaron played – a total of 13 minutes in the playoffs last year, which that's one of the few things I do have an issue with, with the way uh, Coach McMillan coached last year. I think that he didn't give some of the young guys more run was a little questionable. But now Aaron is going to play a huge part in this series. I have no doubt. And if he continues the way that he has played uh, in the series, I don't really think that they have another guard who's going to to give him problems, um, at least on the defensive end. So I think that's something I'm really looking forward to because if he if he plays the way he has in the bubble, he's he's going to play a huge factor. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point, and that's he's kind of in that same boat as TJ Warren, even though he's been in the playoffs. This is really like no, now you're really in the playoffs because you you got you got a role on this team, um, and and have to come through. So, um, and he, you know, obviously he, consistency has been his issue, um, but he he's got like you say, um, the skill level, the impact, the game against the Heat. Um, if he gets going and, uh, that, you know, and, uh, along with that, Justin Holiday and Doug McDermott, you know, they kind of started finding their stroke at the end of the, end of the season games and, and they're going to have to be, be rolling as well. Um, obviously that is where your Ed Sumner minutes might come if it's not happening, but, um, I do think between those guys, Sumner, Holiday, uh, Justin Holiday, uh, Bob and those guys. There's a, there's enough guys to go around to to uh, guard Butler and and keep TJ Warren clean on that end of the floor. Um, we'll, we'll worry about who's the best all around player at another time. <laughs> you know, right now it's like just win, baby. Exactly, I totally agree. Well, Tom, before we get out of here, uh, so just looking at our overall like outlook, and I, I don't want to necessarily say prediction, but. Um, for this series, what are you? What's your kind of outlook? And uh, I guess what do you what do you think will happen in it going in? Well, I mean, I feel like the Pacers can win the series. I know I, if I'm not going to pick them to win, who will? Um, I do feel it's going to be six or seven games if that's the case. Um, and I think I, I mentioned earlier, I you know I just feel like there's a game or two that he are just going to bomb away, and there won't be anything the Pacers can do. But um, if if they can get this first game and set a tone of the way that they can be successful and force the Heat to adjust as opposed to the Pacers adjusting, um, I think they're going to have a good shot at taking them down at the end of it. Yeah, I agree. I think you, you, I'm going to echo pretty much exactly what you said. I think if you winning the first game for either team is going to be huge, especially in a seven-game series. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I know normally if you win the first game, that, that is, it sets you up much better for the rest of the series. So I, I'm definitely looking for that because this team uh, can fall flat coming out sometimes, and um, especially in first quarters. Like, that's what I'm looking for. I want the team to just – if they can play four full quarters yeah. every game, which I know that's a lot to ask, um, but the team is, is just not a good first quarter team. Uh, if you can continue yeah. to play – if you can just, like, win every quarter, which that sounds so cliche and – the obvious but like the the heat are really bad in the fourth quarter they have i think they have like the second or third worst fourth quarter offense in the league um so i think i don't know if that held up in the bubble but that's you know the team just has to come out and 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 be firing right away there's no room to to give a game away i think would be the way i put it so i think that's definitely what i'm gonna be looking for and i I won't say who i think is gonna win or don't or won't win I, i still like i mean i think the edge goes to miami for sure but the first game is going to be huge. Absolutely. Avoiding that, those early fouls and that early, like, eight-point deficit in that first quarter, and then it's like, okay, game on. We, we got the help. <laughs> now it's going to be tight. Let's go. 100%. Well, Tom, this has been fun. Uh, to everybody listening, please be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe on Spotify, anywhere else you can get our podcast. Uh, read us over at Indie Cornrows. Caitlin Cooper just put out a really great piece looking at the, uh, the playoff matchup today. Uh, today, Monday, because this will be coming out tomorrow on Tuesday. Um, just have a good rest of your day. Enjoy basketball and uh, just just be a good person. Tom, I'll talk to you later.